Sagemont Church is a gathering of Christian believers in the southeast area of Houston, Texas. Today's message is from our senior pastor, Dr. John Morgan. Now then, today we're going to go into the book of Acts. We're going to continue something I've been dealing with for some time now. We've talked about those days before the cross. We talked about the crucifixion. We talked about those hours that followed when Jesus lay in that borrowed tomb. We talked on Easter about Jesus coming up from the grave. We talked about those days after that for 40 of those days that he remained on this earth when 500 people witnessed a resurrected body. They saw him executed. Now they have seen him. They've identified him. He is the Christ. Even the skeptics said, this man that was crucified, this is him. He is risen. Forty days after the resurrection, the scripture says that on, on God's appointed prophecy that in time he went up into heaven. He ascended into heaven to sit at the right hand of the Father where he sits right now. As he was standing there, the question was asked, why stand you here gazing? This same Jesus that you've seen going to heaven is going to come back again. Now the stage is set. What are we to do? That's been over 2,000 years ago that Jesus rose from the grave and ascended to heaven. What are we supposed to do? We weren't there when that happened, but we're here now. And the Bible says, the same Bible that prophesied everything that has already taken place 2,000 years before has said, when certain things begin to happen, you'll see the signs of the time I'm coming back to this earth again. In the meantime, there's something I want you to do. And it was on that premise that the Lord established what is called the church. The church is, as you search through scriptures, it's been referred to as the body of Christ. We all have different spiritual gifts that are in the family of God. We come together, we make a body of believers. Um, it's called the bride of Christ. The bride of Christ. It is the counterpart here on earth. And before, as we talked about last week, before he went back, he made sure that the Holy Spirit came to fill the lives of those who had not joined a church and just filled out a paper but had received Jesus into their life, and they had been baptized in obedience to God's command. Now here is what I want done until I come back. I am going to turn over to my church what I call, or what, the, what we refer to as the Great Commission, Matthew 28, 19, and 20. That church was given that commission to go to the uttermost part of the world, teach people the truth, baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And thirdly, he said, if you will do that, I will never leave you. Regardless what you go through, I will never leave you. I'll never forsake you. And then he goes back to heaven and he says, here's what I want. I want my church to be faithful until I come back to rapture my church. Now I want to submit to you this morning that years have passed, creative minds have come and gone, but as I'm talking to you today, there's a whole lot of people have no idea what a church is. A church is not something man creates. 
A church is not something a group of people get together and say, we're going to be called church and here's what we're going to do. The church was given two ordinances. The church was given the teaching of what the spiritual gifts mean, that everybody has a spiritual gift. He tells everybody, if you are born again, if you're a believer, I live in your life through the Holy Spirit. I've got a purpose for you. I want people to see me, Jesus, in you. And so he lays it all out. Luke, one of the, of the Synoptic Gospel writers, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, Luke wrote the book of Acts. In the book of Acts is everything a church is supposed to be and what it's not supposed to be. And if anybody cares about, is this a New Testament church or is it not a New Testament church? Is it the church that Jesus put here or is it something man concocted and put together? Here is the criteria. So, after the ascension comes a day when Simon Peter is, is asked to preach and the church began to have its formation that has continued until this very moment. I'm going to take you there now. I want to show you, and if time will allow, I, I want to briefly show you that the guy that preached that day is Peter, and actually there were two sermons, and they were both on the same subject. That has confounded theologians. You know, if he had two sermons, it looked like he could preach. You know, if he was a preacher, it looked like he had more than one sermon, you know. Do you have to preach the same one twice? But he actually preached the same, same theme. That theme was repentance. A word that most churches do not use today. The Bible says, except you repent, you us will all likewise perish. That is not a vogue word today for a church. Matter of fact, churches say if you preach repentance, people will not come. It's not whether people come to church or don't come to church. It has to do with what is a church so you'll know one when you see one. So I want to take you to the book of Acts, chapter 2. I'm going to read to you from verses 32 through the end of the chapter, verse 47. Would you stand out of respect to the reading of the word? And let's see what the scripture says. Verse 32 of Acts, chapter 2, picking up my story that I was trying to real briefly kind of give you a summary of it. Here's what it says, Acts 2, 32. This Jesus God has raised up, of which we are all witnesses. Therefore being exalted to the right hand of God and having received from the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit, he poured out this which you now see and hear. For David did not ascend into heaven, but David himself said, the Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand till I make your enemies your footstool. Therefore, verse 36, let all the house of Israel know assuredly that God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Christ. Now when they heard this, they were cut to their heart. And they said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, men and brethren, listen to this, what shall we do? Then Peter said to them, repent. And let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is to you, and to your children, and to all who are far off, as many as the Lord our God will call. And with many other words he testified and exhorted them, saying, 
Be saved from this perverse, perverse generation. Then those who gladly received his word were baptized. That day, 3,000 souls were added to the church. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship. In breaking bread, that's worship, and in prayer. Fear came upon every soul. Many wonders and signs were done through the apostles. Now all who believed were together. They had all things in common, sold their possessions, good, divided them among all as everyone had a need. So continuing daily with one accord in the temple, breaking bread from house to house, they ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart, praising God and having favor with all of the people. And listen to this. And the Lord added to the church daily those that were being saved. May God bless the reading of his word. Would you be seated? The book of Acts, written by Luke, describes the early church. Now listen carefully. What I just read to you was, you've got to go on and read chapter 3, and I hope I have time to get there this morning, but let's go back to chapter 2. Here's what he just said. Jesus came as the Messiah to the Jewish people. He was prophesied that he would come thousands of years before. Isaiah, you can go back and read the book and the prophecies and many of the other prophets, that this Jesus was going to come as the Messiah. Now, if you know Judaism, they rejected Jesus as the Messiah. That was not the image of what a Messiah ought to look at. That was King of Kings and Lord of Lords. He should have looked better, dressed better, had a better donkey to ride on, lived in a nicer house, ate more expensive food, or whatever you might want to name. But that's not what the Jews were looking for. And so he says, you know what y'all did? You've looked for the Messiah. He fulfilled every prophecy that your old prophets wrote. You saw him, he came, and you rejected him and nailed him to a cross and crucified him. Then he says, that having all been done, he is your Messiah, you rejected him, but he is the Christ, Lord, Savior, to whosoever will. Now, anyone, not just those that are Jewish, they have offered to them a king, a Lord, a Savior, one who will come and live in their life. The Jews have rejected now whosoever will may come and as Luke picks it up and others begin to pick it up and they begin to talk about by grace now you're saved through faith. That not of yourself, it's a gift of God, not of works, lest anybody should boast. Your salvation does not come through your bloodline. It comes because of the shedding of the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now everyone now has an opportunity. But then as the scripture goes on to the, even the completion of all scripture and we bring it up to today, 2014. Those two have rejected, many and most have rejected the only begotten Son of God. We have left Jesus and gone with the world. We have said, no longer Jesus, are you going to have my priority? I will not do what in both of these sermons it was repentance 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 I'm not going to repent if I can continue to walk the way I'm walking and can continue to receive the blessings of God if I can continue to just 
uh, pray to you and talk to you and enjoy your blessings and so forth. As long as I do not have to forsake the world, I'm in. But if the world begins to draw on me, and my choice is, do I go with the world and what the world's doing, or do I do, go with God and what God's doing, I'm going with the world. And so he says, Gentiles, the Jews crucified him. Now you're doing the same thing. You're rejecting him. He said he'll be your Savior. He said he'll be your Lord. He'll say, he said that he is the Christ. But you have chosen the world. And now broad is the way that leads to eternal life. And most go there. Narrow is the gate that leads, excuse me, broad is the way that leads to destruction, and many go therein. But narrow is the way that leads to eternal life, and few there are that find it. The Jews, yes, they crucified Jesus, but we're doing the same thing. We're doing the same thing. Look at Acts 2.36. It says, therefore, let all the house of Israel know assuredly that God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified. But not only is he your Messiah, he's the world's Savior, both Lord and Christ. Acts 2.36. The, the problem that lies with most of us is because most of us in this auditorium are Gentiles. Not all, not all, but most. We've rejected him. We have rejected Jesus. And we've gone after all of these other gods. Isaiah 53, 6, the Old Testament prophet said, all we like sheep have gone astray. Listen, we've turned everyone to our own way and the Lord has laid upon him, Jesus, the iniquity of all of us. All of us, not just the Jews, but all of us. Bottom line, God is either in me and in you, or he's not in me, or he's not in you. He's either in you or not. He's not the man upstairs. He's not your best friend. He's either in you or he's not in you. You say, but I'm a member of the church. I grew up in a certain church. All my family went to this church. I know I'm in. My name is there. They control my salvation. No, no, they don't. No. He is either in you or he's not in you. Another thing you can be sure it is, you've either received him, I've either received him, or I've rejected him. Because he said, I've made myself so visible that people are without an excuse. He said, I've made myself so evident in creation that man is without excuse. You've either received him or you've rejected him. We could put it in other words, I'm either saved from my sins or I'm still living in my sins. No exceptions. No exceptions. Has absolutely nothing to do with your background, your nationality, your education, your financial situation, your looks, your talent, nothing. He is either in you or he's not in you. Now, if he is in you, you understand it's not what you do and what you don't do. Like God grades on the curve, you know. And I'm keeping a list. I've got blue stars and 
black stars, and I got more blue stars on my list right now. I've done some bad things, of course, everybody has, but I got more blues than I got. He doesn't, he doesn't grade that way. It's not a bunch of do's and don'ts. Being a Christian is not a bunch of do's and don'ts. Let me tell you something. Every single religion of the world is based on what you do and what you don't do. They all have got their do's and don'ts. Every single one of them save real Christianity. Christianity is not do this, go to heaven. Don't do that. You still get to go to heaven. But if you start turning and believing that that's what it's all about, you missed. The scripture says without the shedding of blood, there's no remission of sin. The scripture says Christ in you is a hope of glory. Now here's what that means. I talked about this a couple of weeks ago. The only evidence that people see is the evidence in us. God chose the foolish things of this world, that's us, to confound the wise. Now the point is, the others see Jesus in you. Let me give you some tests. I've been testing myself, and uh, I got nervous on a couple of these things and had to repent. But uh, do you drive in Houston? <laughs> Let me tell you about Jesus and you and me. When you drive in Houston on 45 South or Interstate 10 or 45 North or 59, how long does it take for people to let you to get in a lane when it's just prior to real heavy traffic? Now, they know good and well, they've been out there in that same situation as you are, but now they're in the driver's seat. They're in the main lane. If you think you're going to get into their lane, you've got another thing coming. What would Jesus do? How quick, based on his life, would you see Jesus sitting down at a business deal? Listen to me, Christian businessman. Do you sit down and you think a good businessman is a man and get all the dollars for his family he can, even at the point of raping the dollars of the other family that's on the other side of the table, and you think that's good business? I always get a better deal than everybody else, and I'm real proud of that. Is that the way Jesus would conduct his business? I see a Savior lay down his life so I could live. I see a Savior like a soldier that'll die on a battlefield in order that those of us can live in this great country we call America, even we, when we take it for granted. That's real love. And that's the kind of love that God has. But you see, when we go around, we're just like, like the world is in so many instances. They say, but God lives in me. We have these, these, these uh, bumper stickers. Honk if you love Jesus. You honk, they cuss you out. You know, I say, where'd you get that bumper sticker from, you know? What kind of deal is this? But we go around and everything the world likes, we like. Whatever the world's favorite stuff is to do, we're going to do it. And we just call it, we're just kind of intermixing and fellowshipping with one another so we can win them. You don't win them. They've won you. And you don't understand it. So Luke says to all of us, he said, I just want you to know what a church is because obviously a lot of people don't. So he just lays it out there where even I can understand it. It says, first of all, when you look uh, at the uh, 42nd verse, it says they freely received the word. It said they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine. It doesn't take long in a lot of churches that when the doctrine gets so strong and it starts going against the behavior of most of the members of the body, they kick out the doctrine or they compromise the doctrine. 
Just as long as you do it in moderation, everything is fine. But I don't want to run you off and I don't want to lose you. So therefore, the, when God says what he says about life, the value of human life, what he says about a marriage, what he says about alcohol and drugs, what he sex, says about sexual purity, where do you come down on all that stuff? When it, when it talks so clearly and says, don't get close to this because it will trap you. It will cause you to stumble and fall. Why is it today that I read the other day, not in the Bible, but in a secular, respected news magazine, that today people that are Christians will confess that they do certain sins. They don't even do those sins, but they claim they do them, so they'll be received by the group. That's a sad day, folks. That is a sad day when you have to compromise your convictions in order to have friends. Whenever you come to that point in your life when you say, okay, I want to be a part of a New Testament church. Number one, the Bible will be the word of God. It will be revered, respected. People say, why do you have to stand when you read the Bible? You know, I'm so tired. I've been standing all week. Well, what have you been standing up doing? You know? Why not honor the Lord? What's wrong with that? Well, it says that they fellowship together. What does that mean? Party, party, party? Uh-uh. No. They fellowshiped. They said that when one hurt, they all hurt. When one, and when one rejoiced, they all rejoiced. You'd be surprised how many people and how many churches there are. They'll help anybody they don't know. They just won't help anybody they do know. If you help somebody in the church member, listen to this. Listen to this. You might have heard this over a spiritual Bible study group. Well, I know so-and-so in the church has got a need, but we can't help them because if we help them in our church, then we'll have to help all the people in our church. And God forbid, we don't want to be caught in that. We will set, here's the word, this is the spiritual word. We will set a precedence. A precedence of loving one another? A precedence of helping one another? Why shouldn't we do that? That's what we're here for. That's what, that's what Sagemont Church is all about. And the, and the close-up test, we can show you by the thousands of situations. That's the reason why we got out of debt, is so we could love one another and help one another. And when one weeps, we all weep. When one rejoices, we all rejoice. People shake their head and say, uh-uh, I, can, I can't do that. A lot of people go by people that are, that are on the street and they got to sign up, help, 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 help. And you get them over and you say, here's your dollar, here's your five dollars, whatever. And you get this, woo, this good feeling. I just feel so good. Feels so good. I didn't have to tell them about Jesus. I didn't have to buy them to church. I didn't have to go by and find out where they live and bring them to church. I just give them five bucks and I feel free. That's not what we do. The world does that. But our hope is in changing lives by getting them to Jesus Christ. It says they worship together. And when they worship together, listen to this. They, they celebrated salvations and baptisms. This morning we've baptized four people Three in the first service, one now, four. I'm going to say at this point in time, 60% of all the churches in America don't baptize four people in a year. In a year. That's just not what we do. I can show you the book of one of the most prolific, 30,000 plus people are in his church today. And he will tell you in his book, we don't baptize many at our church. My question is, what do you do at your church? Oh, we got great music. We got great little small groups, and we just have more fun you can imagine. Jesus came to seek and to save those which are lost, folks. 
He gave us a church to bring our lost friends to come. As our precious granddaughter brought her friend to Jesus, that's what it's all about. Sure, I'm proud of her. And I'm proud of your kids, too, that are bringing kids to Jesus. I'm proud of our student ministry. I'm proud of our children's ministry. I want you to know that is a common story around here of children bringing their friends to Jesus because they want Jesus to come into their life. That's what church is all about. And we grown people say, well, I just don't talk about the politics and religion where I go. I don't care where they go. I don't care who they vote for or where they spend eternity. I'm just one fine, dedicated Christian. That if it's relevant, I don't talk about it. And I'm afraid that I might run them off. So I've told you before, where are you going to run them? Hell number two, hell number three, you know. I mean, if a person without the Lord is lost, where in the world are you going to run them off to? But the scripture says they worship together and 3,000 people got saved one day. I can see 200 moving their membership because the 3,000 are taking over our church. You're not going to believe this, but this came to me this week while I was preparing this very sermon. Sagemont has a church in Espanol, and it's growing. I mean, it's, it's going to fill its auditorium. You mark my word, five years, going to fill its auditorium. Here's what the preacher called me. He called me to do a revival at his church, and he told me this. He said, you know, we're in a transition area, and the Spanish people are coming in. And he said, a whole bunch of them joined our church, and our church voted to run them off. Now, can you believe that in this generation? My soul, that's what we're here for. Red and yellow, black and white, they're all precious in God's sight. You're looking at a preacher who never got one letter, one call, one email, one whatever you want to at the Dairy Queen saying, hey, preacher, what are we going to do? Not one time. With thousands of bus kids, people from all over the world, that's what we're here for, and that's what a church is. A church, Jesus said, whosoever will may come and drink of the water of life freely, but we need to serve the water of life and the bread of life, which is the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's what church is. It is not anything else. Then they prayed together, and they prayed for each other. That's what that connection center is about. That's what they, I'm pointing over here, right across from the bookstore and the cafe, communion is being served right now, and it'll be served until 30 minutes after this next service. What is that all about? Our deacons are there serving those of you that may be going through a tough time, We've had several deaths in our church family this week. Maybe you just need to be remembered and reminded that Jesus is alive and he gives eternal life and nobody plucks his kids out of his hand. That's what church is. It has nothing to do with how many walk inside the doors or come on the property. It has to do with by salvation by grace through faith. And those that were saved were baptized and 3,000 one day and the scripture ends in that 47th verse said that was happening every single day well the 43rd verse said fear came to the church I have a holy fear in me I have a fear every time I preach that I might preach and there'll be somebody there and it's the only sermon they'll ever hear and I'll never talk about Jesus or talk about salvation. I have that fear personally in my life because that's what God called me to do. He didn't call me to grow a church. He called me to preach Jesus and him crucified and let everybody know that God loves you just as much as he loves Billy Graham, the Pope, or anybody else on the planet. 
He's got a plan for you. Just as important as far as the kingdom is concerned as any great religious person you ever read about or know in this present time. But the miracles came. You know what the greatest miracle is? Salvation. <laughs> you can die to an old life, be born again. And as he was raised from the dead, you can be raised to a brand new everlasting life. It's a joy to see that. When we see our children baptized, that's so special because they got the rest of their life to live from the Lord. Down here on the corner is Ernest. Ernest sells the newspapers down there. Don't have time to tell his story. But there's numerous people right out here sitting with you right now that witness to that man who out of his first 60 some odd years spent more than 40 of them behind bars. Hated God and hated Christians. But one day he started getting loved on. And I don't mean by giving him $5. I mean by telling him Jesus loves you and so do we. And he was gloriously saved. But a lot of you don't know who was before Ernest. It was a lady. Her name was Tina. If you think Ernest is a little guy, you ought to have seen this lady. I bet she didn't weigh 75 pounds. Tina sat down there on the corner on a rock about this big, selling those newspapers. I want to confess to you publicly, as I've already got it right with the Lord a long time ago. I drove by that lady for three years selling those papers. I would speak to her, sometime buy a paper, maybe sometime give her something, but I never stopped to tell her about Jesus. One day I got extremely convicted, and I pulled in over there on, on the annex where our property is over there. I got out of the car, walked over there, introduced myself. And I said, Tina, I'm ashamed to introduce myself to you, but I'm John Morgan, pastor of the church. She said, oh, you're Brother John. <laughs> and I said, oh, but that made it worse. I said, I'm, I'm the infamous, don't care where you spend eternity, Brother John. Yes, that's what it felt like to me. But anyway, I, I said, look, I'll buy all the papers you got there if you'll talk to me. And so I said, just close the shop and we're going to talk. In about 30 minutes, she gave her heart to Jesus. And I said, but, but I can't come to church on Sunday. I said, I want you to come to church. She said, I can't come on Sunday on Sunday because them big old men will get my plates selling papers. I said, trust me, dear. I'll put three men bigger than any man that will approach your place. Uh, all all uh, police officers that will stand there and hold your place because I want you to come and be baptized. Amen. And she came. You know who came with her? To watch her husband. Another story. Not a good one. But his wife was so changed she found somebody that really cared he came to watch her baptized and that day he gave his heart to Jesus Christ our church went over and helped them with their house there's a terrible story there but real quickly it was a not too many months after that I got a call and Beth was with me my wife and they said we're calling from the hospital Tina's been hit by an 18 wheeler and uh, all she can say is, here's a number, call Brother John, call Brother John, call Brother John. She wants to see Brother John. I said, well, I'm Brother John. <laughs> Where is she? Well, she was in the Bentop Hospital. Beth and I got in a car. We went up there. That girl was sitting up in the bed. She was all bruised. She lived through all of this. She couldn't sell papers anymore. She moved away. But you know all she could talk about? was many of y'all 
how you loved her and 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 loved her because she came one time and was baptized. That's the real church, folks. It's not all this fun and game stuff. It's not about social. I can show you intellectually how certain denominations appeal to a certain class of people by their financial status, by their moral convictions, and on and on and on. That's not the church. The church is where Jesus is. And as he laid it all out here, as I close, I want you to see what he said. I wish I had time to read you that third chapter, but I want you to note these words. In the third chapter, they get down to this 20th verse. Let me go back to 19th. It says, Repent therefore and be converted that your sins may be blotted out so that the times, listen, of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord and that he may send Jesus Christ who was preached to you before. Listen. The only thing the world knows about Jesus is what they know about you if you claim that you're a follower of Jesus. You are the one. I am the one. If we don't do what we're supposed to do, we will never, ever, ever impact our world as Jesus intended. But we are to take the gospel and live it so that when people see us, they will know you care. You care. When the scripture says they were one in accord, people will laugh at you. You mean the church can get in one accord? Not our church. If we can vote 70-30, we feel like we're in one accord. No, no. If Jesus has preeminence and we're following him, we'll have different responsibilities, but we're headed for the same spot. And that is, what would Jesus do in Houston today if you live in Houston? Wherever you live in the world, if Christ is in you, the world is looking for God. They're just having trouble finding him. But if you will invite Jesus into your life, then they can find Jesus because they found you. Romans 10, 13 says, For whosoever shall call, upon the name of the Lord, shall be saved. You ever done that? Not whosoever decides to quit doing some stuff and start doing other things. No, no. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord. How do you call upon the name of the Lord? You just simply get in a quiet spot. You know that he's God. You make this your little, little turf on the earth and you bow your, your head you confess you're a sinner. And if that's a big problem for you, you say, I just don't believe the Bible. The Bible says all of sin and come short of the glory of God. You say, well, I have trouble believing the Bible. If you have trouble believing the Bible about you're a sinner, ask your 10 best friends and somebody you're married to, and they'll quickly say, well, I know one thing. The Bible's right on that. You certainly have sinned. <laughs> so that's not easy. That's not hard to do. All of sin and come short of the glory of God. Then number two, military term on this Memorial Day weekend. The word repent in the original Greek language is a military term. And it simply means about face. And you start walking that way. That's what it means. 
It doesn't say, I repent, I repent, I repent, I repent, meaning I feel sorry for it, I feel sorry for it, and I really feel sorry since I got caught for it, and I won't ever do it again. That's not repentance. That's not repentance. Repentance is about faith. As for me and my house, we'll serve the Lord. I close by telling you what I said earlier when we were recognizing our soldiers. The thing that will hold America together is when his families gets right, the church gets right, and the military stays strong. God approves of all. He uses soldiers over and over and over again to use as examples. And what I just gave you is one of them. Except you do about faith, repent, you're going to perish. You say, well, I don't know how I'm going to do that. Uh, well, I can tell you how. The scripture says I can do all things. We can do all things through Christ, which strengthens us. He that's in us, again, is stronger than he that's in the world. No weapon that's formed against us shall prosper. Another military. For this is an inheritance of the children of God. And one of these days, without wings, without jet thrust, without a propeller, we'll fly away. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. The question is, who's going who's to go with you? The people know how to be saved and what it means to be saved. Romans 10, 9 and 10 says, If thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, believe in thine heart that God has raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. While heads are bowed and eyes are closed. Now we're coming into those final seconds. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. Shut off the world, you and God. This is not about religion. This is about a relationship. Is God in you? Do your priorities indicate that? When you have time alone, do you read the Bible or do you read some trashy magazine or, or watch some crazy something to keep your mind in the way of the world so you can communicate with the world? You know. That's between you and God. Just be honest with yourself. You're the one that will either be rewarded or punished for your decision. Nobody can make it for you. But I would like to invite you to receive your gift of eternal life. We're not going to have a lottery. Everybody wins. All you got to do is confess. You don't have to say, I got the lucky number. You've got to say, I'm a sinner. But I want Jesus in my life. I want to have a purpose for living. I want to walk as God intended for me to walk. I want to have the relationship with people that God wants me to relate with. If marriage is involved, I want to marry the person that completes me, not that satisfies my desires. I want God's will. He promised not to withhold any good thing. If that is your desire, I want to lead you in a prayer. And when I lead you in this prayer, we're going to close the prayer. We're going to sing one song, just one verse of a song. If you pray this prayer with me, and you mean it, I want you to leave your seat while we're singing and go to the Connection Center. Again, go through the doors. You'll see the, the VIPs in the red shirts waiting to help direct you to go there right now. Don't put it off. You'll be there just for a few moments. They'll give you some things to encourage you and to take home with you. If you've never been baptized, we're going to baptize the cross next Sunday night. If you'll stop by and tell them, I want to be baptized there. I've been waiting baptism. It'll save John Mark a whole lot of calls this week to remind you.
pray this prayer with me. If you want to be saved, pray this prayer. If you want to be forgiven, if you want to be born again. Dear God, I confess with all that is in me, I am a sinner. I am not worthy to be called your child. I have not represented you well. You gave me life. Every good thing I have came from you. But God, having confessed that, I want to repent. I want to turn. I don't want to follow this world anymore. I want to follow you. I cannot do it by myself. So I open up my life. I invite you to come into my heart. Forgive me right now. Receive me, and you said you would not reject anybody. And I know you have a reason to reject me, but I know you won't. So I accept your gift, and I want to live for you. Lead me now in my next step to where I'm to go and what I'm to do, and I will obey. And I thank you again for my gift of eternal life. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. We pray that today's message has brought you to a closer relationship with Jesus Christ. Join us Sundays at 9.30 and 11 a.m. at Sagemont Church in the Worship Auditorium. For more information, check us out at www.sagemontchurch.org.